You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire. I am a hockey analyst who's worked for Sportsnet, RDS, the Winnipeg Free Press, and more. I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win and formerly SB Nation. Uh, we're here with the, our show, the Crosscheck NHL Show. You can follow us at the Crosscheck NHL uh, on Twitter, at Andrew Berkshire, or at Mary C. Clark. We're very excited to talk to you today because we're in the middle of the first round. We've already got some series that are over, which is pretty crazy. Two sweeps, which nobody really expected, I think, uh, especially one of them. We're going to hit on the Colorado Avalanche looking like the team to beat uh, in the first round. Uh, every bit of as good as we expected them to be. Uh, we're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers and the shocking result of them getting swept by the Winnipeg Jets that happened last night deep into the night. So I am very tired because I stayed up to watch it until about 2 in the morning uh, Eastern Standard Time. And then, you know, my kids got up at uh, 530. Uh, and then we're going to finish it up with the Bruins and Capitals series, which also finished up uh, along with our pop culture roulette segment. But first, Mary... How was your weekend? My weekend was really, really great. Um, it was my best friend's wedding this weekend, so I had a very, very fun time. Uh, Saturday, it was like a picnic, um, just like with a, just a, a picnic at like a local park, just to, you know, like a very casual hangout with a bunch of people who were going to the wedding. Um, so I helped out. Um, his family set things up, so I was like over there a little bit early doing stuff, um, but I got to see a bunch of friends I haven't seen and well over here i mean i've talked to some of them obviously but like i haven't seen their faces like and caught up with them in person in well over a year since you know before the pandemic hit uh so that was saturday and then sunday was the big wedding we had the ceremony it was a greek orthodox ceremony because the woman he was he's married to is greek uh so it was really cool to see like a bunch of the differences it wasn't like a super super long wedding but like it was really neat to see some of the stuff and then sunday night was the reception i'm technically part of the bridal party it wasn't like a like um, I would did like stand up there at the altar or anything because you know COVID stuff, so they had to like restrict it a little bit. But like I got to do entrances and stuff and pictures, and that was a lot of fun. It was, yeah, it was really great. It was a beautiful weekend. Um, I am very exhausted. I did not get to watch a lot of hockey uh, through it, so a lot of the things that I saw, at least over the weekend, I was able to catch. Uh, Monday night's games but a lot of the stuff over the weekend I missed because I was you know enjoying spending time with uh, friends and you know people I'm very close to that I haven't seen in a very long time and it was just I guess it was like I know people talk about um, you know there's not going to be like a like a celebration of when COVID is over uh, type of thing but that really felt like a, a big celebration in terms of like not going back to normal but like basically everybody there was vaccinated um and we had like a great like he had like a great ribbon color system in terms of like uh what your comfort level was with people so i think it was a very well done and it it felt like a very cathartic thing for me just to you know dance and have a good time and drink and just be with people i love so yeah yeah i i, I can only imagine i i can't wait to get to that point where it's just you know the mm -hmm. un the celebration unhindered by the constant stress in the back of your head I don't want to say that it's like mm. something that's constantly been on my mind because I feel like I've done a pretty good job of blocking it out, but it is always there, right? The the, mm. the shadow of this pandemic, it kind of sucks. But uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our weekend was all right. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a long <laughs> weekend down in the States, but it was a long weekend in Canada. Uh, no, I I remember you messaging me. It was a holiday. I'm like, there's it's a holiday. Next week is our holiday yeah, for us. It's, um, Victoria it's a day. Memorial Day. Next yeah, week, Victoria so. Day here. And so we didn't have uh, daycare yesterday, so there's no recording the podcast on Monday. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, long weekends are always tough when you have uh, no support structure and you've got two young kids, but uh, they toughed it out. We went outside a lot. It was nice outside. So, you know, everybody's tired, but uh, we got through it. We had uh, some ants coming in the back door that were all over our kitchen, which was very not fun. (laughs) So we had a bunch of uh, like outside dinners and picnics in the basement. So... We, we made it work, but uh, before before we get into our main story, or our opening story of the podcast, we probably have to talk about uh, the John Tavares injury, which we haven't been able to talk about yeah. since it happened, which it feels like forever I ago I think that now. happened Thursday. It happened Thursday, yeah. right? I think it was the day the podcast, the last podcast we did dropped. It was like that Thursday night, uh, so we didn't have time to talk about it. So yeah, I guess we, we should mention up at, up at the top that... What was it? Ten minutes into into game one between um, the uh, the Maple Leafs and Canadians, John Tavares got whacked in the head with Corey Perry's knee very accidentally. It was a complete, you know, fluke of a play, and um, I don't think I have to describe what happens because I think that image will stick with me for a very long time. But um, it was not it was not a pretty sight, and it looked very serious. Um, thankfully, it is not um, like like you know, like serious in the short term. Uh, He has a concussion from what I last saw. Um, And apparently he was like very like vocal and, you know, talking to his like teammates afterwards and put out a message on social media. Uh, But yeah, it was a very, very, very scary moment. Um, I was actually working on the desk for the win that night. So I covered it on my end. Um, But it was it was shocking to watch in that in the one clip. I'm not going to describe it because it is, you know, I know some people don't like that type of stuff, but that, there's a one clip of him that will stick with me for a very long time, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty traumatic. I was doing Dylan's bedtime mm-hmm. for the first half of that period, and I just my phone started blowing up while I was, like, trying to get him to go to sleep. And uh, I was like, "What? what is going on? What is going on? And then I had to, like, catch up on the PVR, and I almost skipped over it. And, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was pretty traumatic. Um, very shocking to see things like that happen and you know i don't have you seen the the video of what happened to wallstrom in uh, the game last night uh, between the islanders and penguins uh yeah yeah got I his did. head stuck against a stick and then it whipped in the oh yeah oh i yeah. saw that and on twitter i was like i don't want to see like, that again That's it's, like it's shocking in this it. sport with how fast it is and you know sticks and skates then more people aren't hurt more seriously through these like mm-hmm. crazy accidents because neither of them were um vicious you know neither of them were on purpose plays it's it's crazy and i think this is the first time ever that people have given Corey perry the benefit of the doubt i I have seen some people go after ben sherratt for the hit on Tavares, and i think based on the way he's played in that series i mean i understand it sherratt is definitely a dirty player but uh (laughs) uh, to me i guess you could say he led a little bit with his knee but there wasn't really much contact knee to knee with Tavares, despite Tavares trying to shake the check at the last second Sherat made a very distinct effort to go through Tavares's body and got him in the ribs, which caused him to roll sideways instead of flipping mm-hmm. over the knee. And those are plays that yes. happen in hockey games. Um, they just they're body checks that happen in hockey games. And what happened to him was an incredible accident. Like, I mean, obviously we know Corey Perry's history, but 
it was an it was a true true accident it was one of those just unfortunate plays that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and got whacked in the head with a knee and now has a concussion and it was really great to see him give that thumbs up when he was stretchered off on the ice because it was very worrying for like in the moment like there were no fans so it was like there was it was just silent I mean I was watching the reactions as they were panning it over and you know Kyle Dubas coming down um from what like press row or whatever um like panicking like call it like on his phone like it was very very like a very stressful moment um but I'm glad that it seems that the I don't want to say the worst is past because you never know with concussions it is a very difficult thing to deal with I've never had one but I know people who have um but it is not as serious as it looked in the moment because there were because there were a lot of thoughts going through my my mind at that as to what it could have been so yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all just glad that Tavares appears to be not, you know, grievously harmed in terms of, like, his long-term outlook. I think just based on how that happened, a lot of people were fearing the absolute worst, and he probably won't play again this year, but should yeah. make a full recovery. But uh, I think before we move on, though, we should talk about that fight. Oh, just, yeah, super dumb. You know. I understand why it yeah. happened. Like, I understand the logic of Felino felt he needed to get his team reengaged. And within the scope of hockey, I get it, but it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, I know that the player is saying it wasn't the code. It wasn't the code. And um, like listening to a couple podcasts afterwards, like I think 31 Thoughts touched on it, that like it was a cathartic release for them and just like so that they didn't have it hanging over their heads. And also apparently they didn't see like the replays. So like we knew like we, the fans watching on TV knew that it wasn't Corey Perry's fault because we saw the replays, but I don't know if they were showing replays in there. So maybe there was a little bit of let's just settle this now and we won't have to deal with it for the rest of the game and just move on. But yes, it was very dumb in the moment. I wasn't a fan of it, but like, I guess as a player, I can understand where it's coming from. It's just, it feels like another one of those hockey code things that I'm never really a big fan of. But well, I mean, even I guess if you're like the players, I Perry could. mentioned after the game that Felino said that he knew the hit wasn't on purpose and it was an accident. And he was like, okay. well, we just got to do this. It's like, okay. Right. Like, it was clear that Perry didn't want anything to do with the fight, right? Like, he accepted it. Did he, like, throw a punch at all? I think he just tried to, like, hang on and survive. And Felino, I think, was kind of going for it a little bit too hard. I was, what if he ended up, like, <laughs> breaking his hand on that play, you know? Or yeah, maybe, yeah. like, uh, Perry slips and he pulls on Felino's jersey and, you know, like, knocks him unconscious on the ice, which has happened to, like, George Peros a couple years ago. There are things that can happen in a fight, even if you're not serious about it. That just don't make it worth the risk. And just because it didn't doesn't mean that that was a smart move. And I think that there were a lot of people after the game that were saying like, oh, well, you know, the rest of the game wasn't super dirty and the Leafs weren't trying to headhunt Perry. So clearly the fight settled everyone down. It's like, but that's a complete logical fallacy. It's called post hoc ergo propter hoc. You can't work backwards from the result and say that this changed the game. We don't know that the Leafs would have wanted to headhunt Perry because it seemed like to a man, every single person in that dressing room was very clearly saying that it wasn't anybody's fault that it was a freak accident so they weren't out for blood so the whole fight thing being you know like a fix for possibly preventing the game from getting out of control just seems so stupid to me and, and so i don't know i like i'm, I'm just done with yeah that logically crap. logically it doesn't make sense but in the moment the emotion of the moment i i i understand from that point yeah. of view but logically we're just like it doesn't yep. make sense but I get. I just wanted to touch on that because I know that was like a big uh, point of contention yeah. for some people, for sure. All right, so the Avalanche uh, kicked the tar out of the St. Louis Blues, which <laughs> is not surprising. Uh, that it being four games is a little bit surprising. 
I think this was the series that was most heavily weighted towards one team by a lot of the like prognosticators. Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs, my God, what, this man's not human. I think like, yeah. that whole top line of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen was just beyond incredible. But I, I think outside of Nazem Kadri, who we touched on last podcast, the story of this series is that the Avalanche clearly do not like Jordan Bennington, hey? Like, oh, yeah. I, Philip Grub- when I, I first saw it on Twitter, the post of uh, Philip Grubauer, Grubauer's uh, Instagram post, I thought it was fake because I saw it from Mr. Booth, who's like a big person in Canucks oh, Twitter yeah, yeah, who yeah. fakes mm-hmm. things all the time. Then I went to like look it up because you don't just trust something you find on Twitter, right? You know, but yeah. and it was real. And I was like, wow, that that's even more amazing that they actually went and did this. Mm-hmm. Is you think Jordan Bennington is becoming a bit of a joke for being such a punk, like the whole trying to fight people when he's having a bad game thing? Yeah, I mean, I think people were were from what I remember, people were behind him in the Blues when they won their Stanley Cup. I wasn't covering the league at the time. I think I had lost my job that season. So I kind of like checked out a little bit. So I like I, I was paying attention, but I was like, I don't want to follow hockey. This sucks. Uh, but I think at the time, a lot of the hockey community was surrounding, you know, Jordan Bennington and his story and the blues and stuff. But ever since that cup win, um, we've really seen like a, I guess, a heel turn from the blues and Jordan Bennington. I mean, I don't, I know some people I think had, not been a fan of some of his views like political views i think that had maybe come to light before the stanley cup final that they were yeah in. i think there was more people so maybe on Twitter that... who were against him based on like some yeah, old so, tweets yeah so i don't i don't remember them and i don't want to get into it but i know that is a factor in this story um so that may have come out i think that came out before but I, it is since the the dislike for jordan pennington has seemed to have since grown from that stanley cup final win and they really have seemed to have made a heel turn because he does act like it's very petulant the way he acts yeah sometimes. there's there, i think there's a difference between like you know trying to spark your team every now and then yeah. and like acting out like a child yes and i think bennington ha- kind of treads too far into the childlike temper tantrum Didn't he do it Against the Sharks yes, this yes. year? Yes, when he, was okay. like, All right, he cool. got torn out, uh, they like scored ridiculous, I think like seven goals on him or something like that. And I think mm-hmm. the Blues ended up winning that game, but it was after Bennington was pulled. After Bennington was pulled. And a bunch pulled, of people were like, yeah, it's because to... he sparked the team. And it's like, he embarrassed himself. Like, yeah, I, I, like, I just and... don't see... Yeah, he like tried to like throw like fake punches. I think. Yeah. I I just remember him like the the refs escorting him off the ice and just like, what are we doing here? Like I get I get emotion like we talked about. I get emotion, you know, taking over your game in the moment. But like I, it we've seen this more than once from him now, um, and it doesn't seem to be doing him any favors. It, in fact, seems to be making it worse and also making the teams that he comes up against, they know how to goad him into this now. It's, they very clearly know how to get under his skin. Yeah. And that, that's kind of a thing um, that we talked about with, like, younger Sidney Crosby, right? Like, mm-hmm. players who show you that they can be frustrated, that becomes an issue on, on a competitive mm-hmm. team. Not that the Blues are highly competitive. I think they've taken quite the step back since they won the Cup. But, I, I like, he, he's the kind of goalie where even if he's decent, and I think he is a decent goaltender, if you can get him off his game like that and get him upset, that's not who you want in a playoff series, right? Like, he's, mm. he's just not reliable if, if you can rattle him that easily. Uh, I mean, not that uh, the Colorado Avalanche are an easy team to play against, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody in the world was betting against the Blues here. Um, 
And for good reason. It was a clear mismatch. Um, and I don't think the Blues have anything to be... I mean, they have the right to be disappointed, obviously, but it, like... They weren't going to go far. And I think we all knew this. Obviously, the organization wanted to go far, of course, because they did just win a Stanley Cup a few years ago. And as always, hockey teams want to win. Um, but Bennington just, it wasn't good. And he just hasn't been good since that cup run. And I won't take anything away from that cup run. I know people were talking about, like, it was that cup run a fraud or something like that. And I'm like, no, they won it in their year. They were really great that year. Their story was incredible. Uh, I'm going to give them that because they deserved that. But a 899 save percentage in four games isn't going to do it from Jordan Bennington. Like, he he gave up three goals or more in every single game that they played. So it just – it's not going to get it done. And I – like I said, I don't think anybody was expecting the Blues here to, you know, make a statement. I was expecting them to win one game, I think. I think I had – I think I had abs in five. So, like, yeah, I was not expecting this to be a sweep, but – I also wasn't, you know, the Avalanche are really good. <laughs> and they got, they clearly got under the skin of the Blues here. And there was clearly a team mismatch. And part of it is Bennington's fault for sure. But it was just a whole team difference at this point. But there is definitely something to be said about Bennington and his attitude. And I'll be interested to see um, in the future if that affects him and the team more. If that, like, if they'll be able to maybe get that under control or if other teams will exploit that, you know, as especially as the blues want to probably continue to be contenders, will this happen in the future? And will like, will playoff series be won or lost based on Jordan Bennington's emotions. Yeah. And I think that when you look back at how the, the blues won the cup a couple of years ago, they were very much like the bully team. Like even in the final, they out Bruins, mm -hmm. the Bruins, like I remember Bruins fans complaining on Twitter, about like how dirty the, the Blues were, which was very hilarious to me. But uh, <laughs> the thing about playing that style is if you try to be the bully and you can't back it up with good play, you are a punk, right? You, yeah. you just look like an idiot. And I think that you, you see that a lot in the uh, Canadian series against uh, the Maple Leafs as well. Every single time the Canadians try to rough up Austin Matthews and he just oh, smiles yeah. and laughs. And smiles it's like, and laughs. When you're the p people trying to rough him up and he's just laughing in your face... You've just played yourself to steal from DJ yeah. Khaled. Like, it's yep. it's a rough situation. So I, I think the, the Colorado Avalanche, with the way that they match the Blues physically while also outskilling them to a ridiculous degree, I think of, like, the Gabriel Landeskog fight in Game 1. I was going to say, it, I think that, that tone, is probably right? the biggest indicator. Yeah, the biggest indicator that of the series was that hit. I mean, it came from Gabriel Landeskog, who had eight points in this he series. He was incredible. Dude was on fire from you know, lighting it up on the score sheet to bringing the energy in that fight. It really did set the stage for it. And I also, I mean, I also don't think we should ignore Nathan McKinnon and his six goals. Yeah, Dude's no been kidding. incredible. I mean, like I, like I, like we said, the Blues were letting in goals left and right here, it seemed. There is something to be said about this Avs team and their offensive firepower, and it's really clicking for them. And um, I know people were wondering, you know, because they had like a – they had like a so-so start to the season then like kicked it into high gear for the rest of the year so i i know people were wondering i was like are they going to start a little bit slow but no these are the avalanche we were expecting to see the whole time and with philip grubauer in net who is not injured thankfully and i hope it stays that way because these have seemed to be something special but he had a 936 in net and i'm really looking forward to seeing them play in the next round hopefully against vegas but Maybe Minnesota, too. I mean, that could also be an incredible series the way things are looking. But 
I'm really excited for the Avalanche, and I there's a reason why I had them as my Stanley Cup final pick, and this series showed, I think, what they can do. And maybe there's another gear to them. It's very possible with this team. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a good story here that the this is the Avalanche's uh, 25th season in the league after they moved from mm-hmm. Quebec. They won it in their first. It'd be pretty cool to win it in their 25th as well. But oh, yeah. uh, moving on from them, we're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, and there's going to be some fiery takes coming up but uh, first I need to talk to you about something that's very near and dear to my heart and that's making the switch in your life and moving away from cigarettes when I was just five years old and I'm going to bring it down a little bit here on on the podcast my grandma on my mom's side died of lung and brain cancer she was a chain smoker her whole life and you know it took her really quick she was only 50 years old so if you're looking to make that switch try Lucy Nicotine a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. This is something that is coming out that doesn't suck. It's not vaping. It's They've got two, kind, two options, all right? They've got a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, or pomegranate, so they can hit you with it if you like mint, if you like the spicy cinnamon, or if you like the sweet. They've got options for you all three, uh, all three ways. They've also got a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. It's a pack of gum or a lozenge. You can go anywhere, flights, wherever. It doesn't have the limitations that you have from cigarettes, where, you know, every year it's getting more and more restrictive where you can and can't smoke. So... You got to make this switch in your life. It's going to be healthier for you. Think about switching to Lucy. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug your vape. Save your lungs. Stop chewing tobacco. Get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. You don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. If you're a listener to this Locked On NHL Network I have a very exciting offer for you. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL, all one word, to get 20% off of all products on your first order. 20%. That's huge. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. This is a warning. This product does contain nicotine, which is derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, so this is for use if you're making the switch from cigarettes. It's not just a fun gum, all right? Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNHL. You ever had that situation where you go to your local car dealer or maybe a aftermarket parts shop and you're trying to get a part for your car and the prices are just exorbitant? They don't have what you want. They don't have options, maybe one or two. Well, that's because... Nowadays, there's tons of makes and models of cars, and the fact is, an over-the-counter store doesn't have the capability or the warehouse space to keep all kinds of brands and types of products in store. So either they have to order it in, and you have to wait despite going in store, or they don't have many options, and the options that you do have are too expensive. If you're in those situations, the best option that you have is to go to rockauto.com. Open up your phone or open up your computer and go to rockauto.com right now and you can check out their unique catalog and find 
an incredibly easy to navigate website where you can see all options for your vehicle available right away. You can find prices that you will not find outside of rockauto.com. You can save 20%, 50%, maybe even more based on storefront parts dealers. Rockauto.com is a family business, so you're supporting a small company that's working at it that cares about you, every customer, because it's a small family business. They're not just some nameless, faceless corporation. Go to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto parts or body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Why would you ever deal with a storefront desk clerk who doesn't have what you want when you can choose what you want from all kinds of manufacturers? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us section and they'll know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Mary, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they got swept by the Winnipeg Jets. We both had this series down as a fairly simple win for the Oilers. I think we both had Connor Hellebuck as the X Factor for what could upset that, and he did, but uh, this is a disaster uh, Mm -hmm. of epic proportions. It's one thing to lose. It's another to get swept, and sure, the last three games were in overtime. Those are all coin flips, but the Oilers put themselves in this situation, and frankly, I'm reading the riot act on them today. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for it, Uh, but I, oh boy. I, I'll take the L on this one. I had the Oilers in five. I was really expecting them to do good things. I mean, I at least had them going to the to at least the second round where I had Toronto beating them in the second round. But I'll take the L here. Like, I thought the Oilers were going to be better than they were. And kudos to the Jets for, you know, shutting down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and making their lives miserable. But God, Mike Smith. Why? <laughs> why are we here? Why? Why? I'm just, I'm disappointed. I really am. I'm disappointed, but I guess I'm not surprised. This feels very Oilers-like, and I should have known better, but boy, this, I'm just, I'm still in disbelief. Like, they got swept, like, by the Jets, and I mean, again, credit to Connor Hellebuck. Dude was great. Yeah, he was, he was the better Connor in the series, which is sad to say. We knew this, it is, but we knew this was a possibility. We mentioned it. We talked about it. We knew that there was a possibility here. I just didn't want to believe it. I thought the Oilers had learned, but clearly they did not. Yeah, and this is the cross-check segment, which I, I didn't actually allude to in the opening, but I, I want to say, like, this is the one where we're supposed to, like, check narratives, right? So it yeah. does behoove us to point out that the idea that the Oilers were, you know, dominated in this series and played terrible is not entirely true, uh, especially at even strength. The Oilers carried the play every single game, uh, which is not surprising because the Jets are a terrible even strength team. But even overall, by the metrics, uh, the the Oilers were the better team from the skaters. But I think with, with these expected goal metrics, there are certain things that are missed. You know, it's just the nature of how analytics work that you literally cannot ever account for everything, right? It, it's just... It's very complicated, and while the metrics have a lot of value, there is some things that you miss by not watching live. And especially watching the last couple games, like the Oilers just played terrible defensively. And I think that a lot of people are going to point to goaltending as the the reason why this series went the way it did. And Mike Smith wasn't great, 
uh, he was uh, about 2.5 goals below or like uh, worse than expected based on the Jets shots by the expected goals uh, formula. But I, I just I don't think that Mike Smith was the issue here. I mean, he had his mm. his foibles, but overall, especially in game four, the first period, he was the only oiler that really showed up to play like McDavid had a couple decent shifts, but he was holding them in. If you're relying on a 40 year old goaltender to get it done for you, that's just ridiculous. And in terms of goaltending, the expected goal swing went nine and a half goals into the Jets favor because of the combination of Hellebuck and Mike Smith. Hellebuck stopped seven goals more than expected in just four games, which is crazy. But again, I don't think the Oilers' chances were all that good. Like, for the most part, like, Hellebuck made some great stops, but I just don't think the Oilers clicked the way that we saw them in the regular season. At a certain point, and I know people are getting on McDavid here, and I've seen some takes about, like, how McDavid's a bad leader because every single time things go wrong, uh, all you see from McDavid is, like, seething rage. And it's either, you need to temper that, or like have somebody to butt heads with him or something, but it can't just be like McDavid's angry at the team all the time. And I get that perspective, but the team has to support him in some way. Yeah. Like they literally have four players who really had an impact on that series as skaters. Darnell Nurse, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Tyson Berry was fine, but he's a complimentary piece who just... His at his what he brings to the table is he can play with those talented players. And I think he was he was good in this series, but he wasn't a key player. Everyone else, bye. Like yeah. it, it's crazy to me. And we talked about this last or like a couple weeks ago too on the trade deadline show that Ken Holland was saying, like, oh, you can't go all in every year when Connor McDavid's putting up a season that we haven't seen since like prime Mario Lemieux. Get the hell out of here. What is this team? And I understand that people say like, oh, you know, Chiarelli really put Ken Holland in a a tough spot. True. Fine. It's been two years. Get Mm -hmm. creative. And this like, it's not just about Holland. It's ownership too. do something. It's that meme. It's that meme of the person poking a stick. And it's like, do something to the Oilers. Because like, you're right. They had those four players who made key impacts. And then that was it. I mean, you had you had Jesse Pugliarvi, who this year had 25 points and 15 goals. He had just one goal in the playoffs and one assist for two points in four games. Not good enough. Tyson Berry, who was, as far as I'm aware, I mean, you said that he was like, he was like, he wasn't a key player. He was good, but he wasn't, you know, in that upper echelon of what they needed him to be. He was the third overall in scoring on the Oilers this year with 48 points and 40 assists, only eight goals, but he's a defenseman, so you're not. He's not going to be putting. Yeah, he had a, he had a good season. He was he was key to that or not key to the power play, but he was a perfect piece to like handle the puck and move it to the players who actually got it done. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's a great complimentary piece, but he did not. He wasn't great, and he was not. I mean, he was good by the numbers, but he was not. He was not making those types of plays that we saw him do in the regular season that set McDavid and Drysaddle up for success. And that is what you need, or at least that's the that is the way the Oilers have constructed this team. They put all their eggs into the basket of McDavid and Drysaddle, and they're like, "Go at it." That's how they've been drugged into the playoffs these past couple of years, is because McDavid and Drysaddle have gotten them there. Um, and they're like, "Okay, well, we'll have a defenseman that will, you know, funnel them the puck all the time, and it'll work out." It worked out in the regular season, but not in the playoffs. 
And I think the Oilers need to try something different now. I This can't be the way they win. You can't – this isn't basketball where one or two players are going to, you know, make your team a, a championship winner. Like, this is not how hockey works. You're only going to see them on the ice for a certain amount of t- playing time. I mean, McDavid and Drysaddle played an average time on ice of over 30 minutes in each game, so I guess they're kind of the exceptions. But there's another half hour of the game where they're not playing. <laughs> so – they have to they have to do something else. They have to go out and get more pieces to fill out this roster in complementary ways. I think a Tyson Berry type that complements Drysidle and McDavid is a great way to go about it. But they also need more scoring. They need they need somebody else that isn't just those two and they're great players on their own, but they they can't do it by themselves. Yeah, you you have to be able to support them to a certain extent. Even if it's just average NHLers when they're not on the ice. Mm. And you know, I think there are a lot of people who like to make excuses. I've seen like, oh, you know, McDavid's part of the problem because he makes so much money. It's hard to build a team around. No, McDavid took a discount. Like, I don't know if people remember, but when McDavid signed that contract, initially it was for more money and then it leaked. And McDavid's camp renegotiated the contract to take about a million dollars less a year to try to, you know, make it look like he was not be- uh, like making the Oilers super poor against the cap uh, and being too selfish. That's, first of all, dumb. Fire your agent. But mm-hmm. also, like it, it's so NHL. So NHL. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. you got to get yours, especially when you're as good as McDavid. But, like, the Oilers don't have an issue with overpaying their stars. Both McDavid and Dreisaitl are more than earning their money. They have an issue oh, yeah. with overpaying guys like Zach Cassian, who is a yeah. fringe NHLer at best. Alex Chason, who's, like, fine but not a guy who really helps you get anywhere. Like it's easy to say that Ken Holland came into a bad situation because he did the GM before traded Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle for nothing. You know, like they just didn't get anything really of value there. Larson is okay, but you traded two top line wingers and got back one number four defenseman out of it. Total Mm. like Eberle. They literally got nothing like they got a half season of Strom. That's it. I've been looking as you've been talking. I forgot completely James Neal was on this team. Oh, my God. And he's he had still 10 s- points. 10, yeah, like he, he had 10 points this year. And, and he's been really good in the past in terms of, like, being, like, you know, one of – I mean, he was a piece on Pittsburgh for a very long time. I mean, he had – back in his youth when he was in his 20s, you know, he had 81 points in 80 games, and he's shown, you know, offensive talent, and he was, like, a, a basically a 20-goal guy um, when he was last with Vegas, too, and that was in 2017-18. But since, you know, basically taking a trip through Canada, through Calgary, and now Edmonton, he hasn't hit 20 goals. I mean, I know he's been injured, I think, this year, because he's only played 29 games, so I would assume that he spent some time injured. This is the product of me not really following uh, the, North Division. the Canadian teams. Yeah, the Canadian teams as much, so I don't know why, but I would assume that since he missed a good portion of the year, that that's why he only played 29 games if something happened to him. But they're paying him 5.75 million dollars to do that and two more years oh, after I don't, this one and two more years after it's this crazy one. it's just uh, the, the roster construction in terms of that i mean pay mcdavid and dry all the money they deserve it they're incredible players i mean conor mcdavid is gonna win the heart this year unless rob rossi has anything to say about it and leon dry won the heart last year they're great players pay them all they're worth but they they need to get more people they can't just you know saddle them with guys past their prime 
or fringe NHL players. I mean, they have some young players like Kyer Yamamoto, who I know a lot of people are high on, but he's young. I mean, he's what? 22. I think 22. Yeah. So, like, they've got some young players that can blossom into stars or, like, major pieces in their own rights, but it's still young for them. Get some guys on this team who are proven scorers, proven playmakers, not over the hill just yet. They need to they need to do something. And I I when I was looking at this roster, I'm like, James Neal is on this team? Really? But it fits. It fits for what they wanted to construct their roster with, but it's just not it. Yeah. I mean you you look at what they have and I, I'm sorry, but like for for any Edmonton fans who want to defend what this team is, the easiest thing to do in this league is find undervalued depth players. It's the easiest thing to do. So in from where I, where I'm sitting, the Oilers amateur scouting outside of getting first overall picks is pretty hot garbage. Uh, the Oilers professional scouting is completely hot garbage. You know, like they're the ones who signed Milan Lucic in the first place. And then oh, bit right, on yeah. the James Neal thing, which, like, honestly, the James Neal-Lucic trade, I thought would have worked out a little bit better because yeah. Neal, even though he's not a good uh, overall player, he can snipe, but he's just lost it. He showed he showed promise. He did. He really did. Those years with Pittsburgh and then his standout year in Vegas, too. He really did show promise. That does happen sometimes, but still. Like, it, you get the, like it's just another one of those things compounding onto another. Yeah. Like, you could, if... It's the, I guess the Oilers were a normal NHL team. You can take um, a player of that caliber not being what you signed, like what you want, like you traded for him for. You can sometimes you can shrug that off if you're a good team, but the Oilers are not at this point. No, not the way that they're constructed. So it just sunk them on top of everything. No, and, and I just I can't believe how complacent they are as an organization to just burn McDavid and Drysaitel's best oh. years. It it drives me insane. And at this point, like. I know we're not supposed to swear on the podcast, but Oilers, <laughs> shit or get off the pot. Do it now because, frankly, your incompetence is hurting the sport. We need McDavid to be in the playoffs. We need McDavid to be on the national and international stage. Stop this crap. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean... I know people are going to be wondering what's next for McDavid, like if he's going to, you know, start to get, you know, the Jack Eichel, you know, are we going to start to see something similar like that happen in a few years if things don't turn around? And I mean, it is out there. We thought for a little while that maybe that Jack Eichel wouldn't, but now it's a big thing this summer that Jack Eichel very well might not be on the Sabres this year. So anything can happen. If the NHL has taught me that like anything, it's that, expect the unexpected and nothing is sacred and things will go away uh, before you want them to. So it's very possible that this could, we could be talking um, about Connor McDavid. Like we're talking about Jack Eichel now this summer, but you have to help him. I think he wants to be there. It's clear that he wants to be in Edmonton. I mean, he signed that deal and took a discount for a reason. He wants to win there. He thinks that this team is, has the like is good enough and can be good enough but they have to they have to help him he can't do it all on his own he needs he needs a better supporting cast he needs a big a better and bigger supporting cast absolutely uh so i I think that's all we're gonna say about the oilers for today Mm because we're gonna save it i think we're gonna try to do a little bit more oilers later in the week maybe once we've had some time to cool down and uh, so is their (laughs) fan base but i I can't see them uh, not being red hot and angry for geez the entire summer it's just such a wasted opportunity but uh, yeah, so it coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about the Bruins and their pretty easy handling of the Capitals. 
But uh, before that, you know, maybe this series with the, with the Winnipeg Jets has made you a little bit gun shy. But maybe it also makes you think there's some good bets coming up here in, in the second round of the playoffs. Maybe there's some bets that you can find where the odds might be more in your favor than you think. If you want to bet, play some bets, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. The NHL playoffs are, you know, raging right now. It's going through. We've got some series that uh, are surprising. We've got some series that went exactly the way we all expected. Get in there. Place your bets. There's props. There's all sorts of stuff. Get in before the next pitch. Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Why would you sit on the sidelines when you can get in on the action and win some money? This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for a Stanley Cup victory. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50%. Make your money work for you. Bet online, your sports book experts. Promo code locked on. So, Mary, I have some unfortunate news that I was right about the Bruins uh, winning in the first round. I... I knew, okay, of all the series I picked, I knew that that one was the most flimsy pick. So I'll own that one too, uh, just because I knew it. And I'm pretty sure I said it here, but I'll own that too. I knew that was an unpopular pick. I thought that the Capitals had more to show. uh, And I thought the Bruins would have been a little bit weaker, but I was wrong. I admit that. Um, And good for Taylor Hall for getting out of the first round. So I'm happy for him, at least, especially after we had Rachel Dory on last week talking, talking him up. I'm like, all right. You've convinced me. I don't like the city of Boston, but I'm here for Taylor Hall doing good things. Yeah, I, I can almost not hate them with, with Taylor Hall there, but... Yeah, he's doing good. He makes them so likable. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, some of them are likable. Like, David Pasternak is really cool. Uh, Charlie McAvoy is really cool. But, it's you know, it's Brad Marchand. And it's also just the city of Boston as a whole, which I, I'm sure is a nice city, and I have visited a few times. But I need their fans to, you know, get a little bit of everybody else's medicine. Yes, this, this is the thing with all Boston sports teams, right? Is they're like, oh, we haven't won in, like, a year. And you're like, shut up. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm assuming we'll talk about Pittsburgh probably later in the week as, you know, things start to, you know, end in that series. But uh, I have very similar feelings about Boston sports as I do with Pittsburgh sports. But, you know, I mean, I guess we should spend a little bit of time talking about the Capitals here because, you know, their exit. I don't know if it's surprising because a lot of people had, you know, the Bruins winning here. But I think that the lack of fight, it seems, that the Capitals had, at least from my understanding, I didn't get to see their game where they were eliminated. Well, I, um, I think it, I was it, doing wedding shenanigans. It, it's but... coupled with last year, right? Where like last mm-hmm. year in the bubble, I think a lot of people gave the Capitals an out. They were like, oh, you know, it was the bubble. They weren't happy. And uh, they, they just weren't really in it, right? Like they didn't really try after they were eliminated so unceremoniously. This year, I don't know if they didn't try, but if you look at just the base statistics... It looks like the series was relatively even, but if you break it down a little bit further and look at like the high danger chances and expected goals, the the Bruins throttled them. And I think it I don't know if it's a lack of effort cuz you talk like Ovechkin did his uh like locker cleanout interview today and he mentioned injuries like he said that he'd hurt his leg pretty bad at the end of the season. It's like when has Ovechkin ever talked about injuries? Like he, he's getting old. I, I, he he's is getting, getting old. old, but also like he's the Russian machine that never breaks, right? Like I guess if he yeah. is talking about an injury, 
he must have been really hurt. So there's that part of it, too. Yeah, I remember there being like a bunch of Capitals injuries to end the season, and I still picked them anyway. I don't know why I did that in hindsight, but this is why we make picks is so we can laugh at ourselves. Yeah, nobody takes it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Except that one person on Twitter who got mad at me for, you know, saying that the the Penguins that like – uh, I had the Flyers finishing higher than the Penguins in my regular season like predictions way back when. And I was like, buddy, I'm not right about my predictions. I'm just here for fun in the memes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Shout out to you, random Penguins fan. I hope you're listening. It's not enough that the Penguins actually had a decent season. You also have to be mm-hmm. mad that somebody predicted that another team would be better. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back to the Capitals. Yeah, back to the Capitals. I, I think looking at this situation and injuries aside... It does seem like this is the end of the road for this Capitals core, yeah. right? It kind of seems like the end of an era. Uh, Ovechkin's up for a new contract. There's some speculation about that not being uh, something that the Capitals can afford under the flat cap. I'm going to say I don't buy that at all. I oh, think yeah. I don't That's that. going to be finished relatively easily without much consternation. I think uh, Alex Ovechkin wants to be a Capital Ted Leonsis will pay what a it capital. Yeah, he just he's going to make him a he's capital. He's the face of the Capitals. Yes. He won them a Stanley Cup. He's chasing, you know, the points or goals record or whatever. I at this point I can't remember. It's been a very long season, but he's actively chasing NHL records at this point for this team. Um I don't he's not going anywhere. They're going to move heaven and earth to try and keep Alex Ovechkin aging or not. Like like we said, dude's dude's old. Been through a lot. Haven't we all? His hair's gray now. Uh, and I completely get it, but you do whatever you can to keep a player like Alex Ovechkin because he is special. They will not let him walk. I do not see them letting him walk. I can see, though, them letting Evgeny Kuznetsov walk, especially because as we were like doing this show, I was looking on Twitter because the Capitals are doing their exit interviews, and I wanted to see if there was anything fun. Because Evgeny Kuznetsov says, he said that uh, he, don't, he hopes he doesn't get COVID for a third time this summer. So he has been, he's had a up and down season this year. I mean, we talked about um him being on like the COVID list and like he had like violated protocols um earlier in the season um but I could see them stepping away from somebody like Kuznetsov um I know him and Ovechkin are Russian buddies and all that but I think if I remember correctly I saw something in the athletic that I think the Capitals are tiring of um Kuznetsov's antics um and they're running low on patience for him so I could very well see that they move on from him this summer but I cannot see it being Govechkin. No. He's the face of this franchise. You don't give, you don't let someone like that walk for free. No, it, it doesn't happen. And it doesn't. the Capitals aren't a joke of a franchise that'll let that happen. He's yeah. just too important. But yeah, I, I feel you on Kuznetsov. I mean, he's 29. Uh, it's pretty crazy to see somebody violate COVID protocols and, you know, get suspended for it. And he's, he's 29. Like, you're a grown man. And this is also the same player who got caught on video doing drugs and oh, then was right. like, I, I didn't actually do the drugs. Test me. And the NHL was like, OK. And he tested positive, which was mm-hmm. still, I think, one of the top five funniest things that's happened in the last like five years of NHL hockey. I do, I do remember that now that you now that you mentioned. It, yeah, yeah. So it's like so. I don't want to make fun of, you know, if somebody is an addict. But at the same time, of course, not. If, if you come out there all confident and say test me i didn't do it and then you test positive it's like the it's like Ooh. that meme of like the guys like what are you gonna do stab yes, me it was like 100 stab victim uh, you know the graphic you know what yeah, i'm talking man about who the, was the specific yes um so it's very much in that vein but of course we're not making light of drug ad- possible drug addictions here no it's just um, the situation the situation uh, but i would not be surprised if they move on from someone like him i mean flat cap world all that stuff 
And I mean, I know he he has been very good for the Capitals in the course of his career. This year was a bit of a down year. I mean, he only played 41 games and only had nine goals, which was, you know, the lowest out of every season but his first. Um, but he's been very, very good for the, the Capitals. But I just, I, I think this might be the end for their, like, core. I think it kind of has to be. I think that the way that they played against the Bruins showcases that they are a step behind some of the teams that are a bit younger. And I think they have to get a little bit younger, get rid of, like, move on from some of the pieces of the core and get a little bit younger because, you know, we've seen what teams like Boston can do with like, I mean, Taylor Hall's not young, but he plays like he's young. Um, and they have, you know, Charlie McAvoy and a bunch of young stars and David Pasternak is, I don't think it's that is that old either. So like, you know, that I think we were showcased a really good summary of the Capitals issues. And I think that there is a path forward for them here. It is going to hurt though. If you're a Capitals fan and you're looking at this team, the team does decide to move on. It's going to hurt. Cause I mean, this roster won you a Stanley cup and you're always going to have memories of that. And I get that, but I think it might be for the best that they start to move on from some of their core pieces and try and, you know, still compete with Alex Ovechkin. Cause you can, the dude's incredible. He's going to continue putting up monster numbers i don't think we're going to see a major decline from him unless he has anything to say about it so yeah i mean i think there's definitely some players that are going to be on the move a lot of speculation about tj oshay possibly being yeah. you know unprotected uh for seattle and, yeah, and perhaps the expansion seattle draft solves some of their problems right because yeah it, i think tj oshay is still pretty good but there's four more years on that contract what yeah. he's already 34 yeah. years old I wouldn't want to take that on. And I I mean maybe Seattle doesn't either. See, I mean Seattle Seattle does need to get to the cap floor though. True. So. True, that's true. I think they, if, if they, I'm looking at the Capitals in a path forward, I think Kuznetsov is an obvious uh, look as like somebody who they could move out and get a lot of, of return for and possibly rejuvenate their roster a little bit. You know who they could get a king's ransom for? Tom Wilson. Oh, I know yeah. he's not I old, mean, but he's not, you know, like he's at the end area of prime years at 27 years old right so he's got mm-hmm. he's only signed for three more years he signed at a relatively reasonable rate but i don't think tom wilson is a five million dollar player but i think a lot but of NHL GMs, gms do i think a lot of gms initial gms eight. will eat that up they will eat yeah. that up in a heartbeat i know that the fans have a much different perception of him but the perception in the nhl is vastly different than what fans think of him and they would you know like you know They'd love to have Tom Wilson on their team. And I think all 30, I guess 31 now additional GMs would love to have Tom Wilson on their team. And that is a that is an interesting avenue that I did not think about before, but that is very possible. I mean, I don't know if they'll do it just because I think the Capitals think that he brings something to their lineup um, in terms of like an identity um, and offense, because we have talked about this before, but he does bring offense to that team when he's not sitting in the penalty box or being suspended. Um but you're right. If they do decide to, yeah, I guess, you know, go a bit more nuclear in terms of blowing things up, I think at least some like quick hit reactions, just not really thinking about it. I think that they should, you know, try and get a little bit younger, try and get a bit more, you know, scoring and legs on their team uh, and continue to try and compete because you still have Alex Ovechkin. But I think if they wanted to maybe go a bit more nuclear, you, you know, trade Tom Wilson. But that's just my just, you know takes from just, you know, uh, what the series having been, you know, finished a few days ago. It's just, you know, I guess the body's still cooling, as you would say. Yeah. So it's just my, just my, like, 
thoughts that could very well change as we get through the summer though i mean clearly they need to play with a little bit more energy and if you want to play yeah. with a little bit more energy maybe <laughs> you need a built bar in your life built bar is the most delicious uh protein bar on the market when you talk to a built bar fan you know they're passionate about their favorites they have some delicious flavors for you to choose from including coconut coconut almond cherry raspberry mint brownie peanut butter brownie double chocolate and salted caramel I'm really looking forward to trying the mint brownie when we get our built bar shipment, Mary. I I really can't wait for it. I'm, I I think we kind of joined the Locked On Network right after a built bar shipment, so we have to wait. And it's kind of the worst part right now is I I'm, I'm itching for it. I'm itching for it. But uh, if you haven't tried it, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors, which is pretty cool. I probably wouldn't be able to do that because I can't eat peanut butter. I, I'm allergic. But uh, I I highly recommend. If you want to try it, get a mixed box and figure out what your favorite is. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, so they're very low sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. A couple of the flavors have 18 grams of protein and 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs. They're all amazing, tasty, and all healthy. Order today, get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So Mary, uh, I don't know what you are up to with the pop culture stuff. Uh, It's our (laughs) pop culture roulette segment right now. The only thing that I really had time for this weekend, I I wanted to watch uh, a a few different things, but I ended up watching... uh, the newest episode of The Bad Batch on Disney+, Plus, which is a Star Wars series that takes place uh, in between The Clone Wars and Rebels, which, uh, if you haven't watched it, be your Star Wars fan, it takes a lot of... It's a big time investment to watch those series, but mm-hmm. they are probably the, like, second or third best uh, Star Wars intellectual property things that I've <laughs> watched outside of, like, The Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I think they're better than the original series. No offense to the hardcore Star Wars original series fans. <laughs> hot takes. Yeah, very hot takes, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, I have heard really good things about the animated shows, but it is a time investment, um, and I have a lot on my plate, and I did not really do much pop culture consuming uh, this weekend because I was very busy, but I do have uh, fun things on the horizon for me. I am, you know, starting up D&D again with my friends, um, we used to, you know, run D&D sessions with my friends um, in person, but then, you know, the pandemic hit and I moved away for a little while because uh, I lived in Chicago for a bit with a different job. Um, so things had to be put on hold, but now we're uh, going to start up again this weekend. Um, and I'm very excited because, you know, my friend's DMing and we're creating new characters and it's like um, we're doing like part of like, you know, I guess official D&D, like the story because they like create like... um like modules and like uh, story things for you can, that you can run yourself. Uh, so we're going to do that, which is fun. So give us some like direction stuff to do, but it's fun. I, I enjoy playing D and D with my friends and I'm very excited to, you know, hopefully have a regular, like every other week type of thing again, cause that would be fun. And I really do miss that. Um, so we can just do it online. Cause I know a lot of people, you know, have gone virtual uh, in the pandemic time. So that'll be fun. Um, the other thing is which happened this morning. Um, I'm very excited to see a new look at Horizon Forbidden West, which is the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, one of my favorite video games on the PlayStation 4. And um, that'll be coming out for the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. I, I would assume sometime this year if they're going to, you know, spend 
20 minutes talking about it on uh, on Thursday. So I am I woke up to that really good news this morning and I was super excited. Uh, so I wanted to mention that here because Horizon Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games of 2017. It was, in my opinion, better than Breath of the Wild. And I know that's not an opinion not a lot of people share, but I am very much looking forward to the sequel and I am so excited um, to hear more about it because I knew it was, you know, gonna, it's getting to that season where we're, you know, getting into like E3 season when like, you know, more video game news and trailers will drop. And, you know, since there's no like, um, official, like in-person E3 this year, we're, we're, we're getting to that point. Where we're starting to get close to like, you know, the trailers, the reveals, you know, the new looks at things. Um, and I always love that time of year because it usually coincides with, you know, the Stanley Cup final, my birthday, E3, and the Tony Awards, which is the Broadway um, Awards, always coalesce around the same time. So it's this, um, like, early June is usually, like, a very busy time for me personally because there's a lot of things I like happening all at once. I mean, the Stanley Cup final won't be happening until a little bit later, but we're getting a lot of really fun video game news soon. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing that because I really want to play it this year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love to have some more time for video games, and I think once we get out of the pandemic, that'll be something that I'll be looking into. I've heard great <laughs> things about Horizon Zero Dawn, but obviously I haven't had yes, the chance I'd to play it. absolutely recommend it. If you had a PlayStation 4, you could have gotten it for free for, like, the past month, but I know that it is, like, a PlayStation... Um, it's, like, a PlayStation... Um, now or PlayStation Plus kind of thing? It's either, like, a PlayStation Now thing where you can play it for free, but also it's, like, $20, like... It's like base now forever with the DLC because it's one of those games that's like a PlayStation classic or something like that. The best. So it's like, yeah. So like they, so it's now $20, like, like in total, I paid $60 then plus however much for the DLC. It was when that first came out and that was well worth it, but definitely pick it up, but you could have gotten it. I know you could have gotten it for free. I wish I could have told you this like a couple of weeks ago and it was still for free, but it's okay. I wouldn't have had the time to play it anyway, <laughs> but it is, it's definitely worth the play. I'm really excited for it. Gameplay is fun world is gorgeous the story blew me away it wasn't i wasn't expecting a story that deep to come out of a game like that and that's all i'll say on it because uh i really think it's worth playing for yourself but if you could ever get the time i definitely recommend it because i'm sure the sequel is going to be probably a game of the year contender if i had to guess considering you know the polished gorilla games puts on their games and from what we've seen so far the world looks to be gorgeous and i'm just i'm really stoked for it awesome all right that's all the time we have for you today we're going to be back on Thursday with a special guest that is a secret for now. Thanks so much for listening. But before we let you go, we got to tell you about Locked On Today. Locked On Today gives you all of your sports news in a condensed 20-minute podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts from the Locked On Network. Follow, Locked On, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Note, that's the A-U-D-A-C-Y, not Odyssey as in Homer's Odyssey. See you on Thursday.